Hey there, Sherry Nicole here coming with a humble heart to share this July episode dedication of Black Woman Working. What we all know is that there continues to be heightened emotions in the world. We all know that there is a lot happening that we can't deny or turn our heads away from. We are still fighting a pandemic, and the topic and actions around police brutality, racial unrest, and social justice continues to create new dialogue and conversation amongst groups. There's a lot of learning happening and the opportunity to continue to engage. And let me be clear, Black lives matter, always have and always will. But for the July and August episodes of Black Women Working, we will focus on something more personal that impacts many women, especially Black women, and currently is something that I am currently impacted by, and that is uterine fibroids. Uterine fibroids are non-cancerous growths of the uterus that often appear during childbearing years. They aren't associated with an increased risk of uterine cancer and almost never develop into cancer. Fibroids range in size from seedlings, undetectable by the human eye, to bulky masses that can distort and enlarge the uterus. You can have a single fibroid or multiple ones. In extreme cases, multiple fibroids can expand the uterus so much that it reaches the rib cage and can add weight. Many women who have fibroids don't have any symptoms, and those that do, symptoms can be influenced by the location, size, and number of fibroids. Over their lifetime, about 80% of black women and 70% of white women will develop fibroids. Relative to white women, black women are two to three times more likely to have fibroids, to develop them at younger ages, to have bigger fibroids, to have more fibroids, and to have more symptoms. The rate of hospitalization for fibroids is three times higher for black women than white women. The reasons for the increased risk of fibroids in black women are not well understood, although researchers continue to search for answers. Some data suggests that low vitamin D levels can increase the likelihood of developing fibroids, obesity is also a risk factor, and fibroids are often genetic. Because most black women have fibroids at some point during their lives, the symptoms they experience might seem normal for them. Many girls are raised to believe painful, heavy periods are just a part of life. However, too many black women do not have an accurate idea of what normal really is. Women suffer needlessly before seeking treatment for their fibroids. Black women are two to three times more likely to undergo a hysterectomy, which is the removal of the uterus by surgery for fibroids, and seven times more likely to have a myomectomy, which is the surgical removal of one or more fibroids. Blood transfusions related to fibroid surgery are substantially higher among black women. Because black women are likely to develop their fibroids at a younger age, fibroids are more likely to have an impact on their childbearing plans. So, why did I choose to make the next two months focus on uterine fibroids for black women working? I mean, it's not the most sexiest topic, but it's so important. And what I've come to realize is so many women, regardless of race, suffer in silence and often alone once receiving the diagnosis. And my story and experience was becoming the same. I have known since 35 that I was at high risk for developing fibroids. Well, to be fair, I knew back when I was in college and became sexually active and began my regular pap smears. Genetically, 
It was going to be a future diagnosis for me. My mother, her mother, and recently my sister all had surgical procedures completed to remove large fibroids and or their uterus. Coincidentally, it happened for my mother and my sister right around my current age, late 30s, early 40s. So when I was told at 35 my approaching fate, I began to move differently in spaces. As a kidney donor, I rarely drink, and that also allowed me to boost my resistance to minimize fibroid growth. Let's see. I'm not a smoker, check. I work out regularly, check. And in fact, at that time, at 35, I even taught fitness classes. Hmm. I run, I bike, I eat well, and I move my body often. I was in a relationship, but at that time, at age 35, we weren't at the point of the children discussion, so I was able to focus on my health and complete my regular checkups, and for the past five years, I had no issues until this past June. I went to the doctor for my annual checkup, and she ordered the usual ultrasound so she could keep watch and manage my fibroid growth. When I tell the story to my friends, I share that the tech that I was with um, we were just talking about school and all the changes around COVID, and then I saw her face change. And as much as I know, the uterus is supposed to be well lit in an ultrasound. But when I saw my scans, my uterus was completely dim. My OBGYN, who I selected because she focuses and removes fibroids, walks in to share that I have several small fibroids, several medium fibroids, and two large ones the size of a baseball, and one the size of a lemon. She also shared that the normal uterus is eight by five, and mine is currently 12 by eight. We also had the baby discussion, and I'll be honest, I do desire to have children, but after a major breakup and time away from dating, I didn't feel like I was in the position to have children, and I hadn't considered the option of being a single mom and tackling motherhood and pregnancy alone. I think my love story was always pictured with my husband, and so honestly, I held out for it. So now, a regular routine appointment has become life-changing. I started to ask, what do I do next? Will I be able to have children? Do I need surgery? What type of surgery? How do I determine next steps? What did I not do correctly that I have found myself in this position? Well, I tell you what I did do. I cried, an inconsolable cry, in the doctor's office. Then my doctor says, Sherry, let's just do the MRI. We will make no decisions yet until we really see what the MRI shows. I said, okay, okay, I'm logical. This makes sense. So Sherry, chill out, wait for the scans to happen, and then you can decide. So I walked out of her office and I got in my car and yeah, more tears flowed. A couple long texts to close friends, I drove home, I cried more and I didn't leave my bed for three days. Then on the fourth day, I remembered that I don't know what I don't know, but what I do know is that I'm not alone. I am not the first with such diagnosis. I won't be the last. And as I'm starting this journey, I can help others not deal with the devastation silently. So I did three things. I prayed, then I researched, and now I share. 
Sharing provides comfort for me and it gives me an opportunity to enlarge my community. So after 20 plus days of trying to get the courage up to launch this series on my podcast, I sent the call out on social media to gather other women who would love to share their story. And within minutes, literally minutes, I received so much feedback from close friends, college friends, and even a former teacher willing to share their story. So we're doing it. The July episode will share the stories of black women who have received the diagnosis and have started their journey on healing. Some may have already had procedures and others, like me, are just at the beginning stages of making the decision. The August episode will be the second part of the discussion, which I hope to include a physician, possible physician recommendations, or even a fibroid specialist. So. I'm excited for you to all hear the stories of Black women on the July episode of Black Woman Working on normalizing Black women health around fibroid awareness, posting July 31st.